You are are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. Hey, Josh Felber here with Making Bank. I'm glad you're watching today's episode. It's going to blow your mind. This is going to be amazing. If you're an entrepreneur, you own a business, you make a lot of money, whatever that might be for you, then you got to watch today's episode. Casey is going to teach you how you can reduce your tax levels, just like the billionaires like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Jeff Bezos, any of those guys that are multi-billionaires and they pay single-digit tax rates, most of them right around 1% or under. So if you want to be able to set yourself, your business, and your tax strategies up the way they do, then you got to watch today's episode of Making Bank with Casey Chohan. Guys, I really appreciate your attention. I really appreciate your time and watching these shows. Make sure you guys like, subscribe to these episodes, as well as to the podcast, whether you're on YouTube, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, wherever you are right now watching the show. And make sure you share share this with your family, your friends, anyone that you think could benefit from it. So again, thank you for your time and attention watching Making Bank. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. Today's guest, Casey Chohan, is the founder of Together CFO, a tax advisory accounting and tax preparation firm based in Los Angeles, California. His financial strategies have been the best kept secrets of the elite. He's an expert on tax strategy and helps with high net worth families protect their wealth and reduce taxes. He builds out the same structures as the elite billionaires to be able to legally do things that the average certified public accountant can't do. He has a deep passion for serving others and educating those who are overpaying taxes. And this is what drives his customer loyalty. So I'm excited to welcome Casey Chohan to Making Bank today. Hey, Josh. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome, man. So to kind of get started off, tell me initially a little bit about, because we worked with like a family office and things like that for years. Is that what you guys do? How do you differ? And then I'd love to dive in, see what kind of great tax strategies and things that you guys are doing these days. Yeah, we're similar. We do not compete with family offices. We actually work with a lot of them as well. We're one subset of the huge pie. So if you think of a family office, it's all encompassing from tax to insurance to wealth management and everything in between. We are one slice of that pie, which mm. is the, the tax slice slash estate planning slice. And we very much stay in our own lane. So we play nice with all the other pieces of that family office. No, that's awesome. That's It's kind of what I thought, but I wanted to just make sure is where you guys were at. And um, yeah, definitely. I mean, working with tax strategies are huge, especially these days with inflation and everybody's trying to figure out what to do with their money and reduces, yeah. reduce paying the government as much as they need to overall. Yeah. And um, actually, it was kind of interesting. I watched one of your videos, uh, one of the videos I was watching the other day, and you broke down the different levels of from like what Warren Buffett to Gates to Bezos to Elon Musk. And what they pay in taxes, yes, it's still a significant amount, but it's like less than it's like one percent or less of their yeah. overall, you know, amount of money that they make. 
what are they doing different that the average guy that has, he's an entrepreneur, has a $12 million a year business, has a CPA, maybe some family office tax strategies. What, what are you doing different that they're not doing? So there's different levels to the game, right? As we know, when most people don't even know what a family office is or don't even have one, for them, it's like, oh, wow, there's a, there's a level of service above just a regular CPA. Yes, that's a family office. But within family offices, there's a huge subset as well. You could go virtual family office, multifamily office, single family office, ultra high net worth family office. There's always a scale. So what the ultra high net worth family offices are doing is all wrapped around complex trusts. That is the business entity structure of choice. And then you just you just don't have one of them. You have multiple, and it turns into a huge spider web. And by controlling the corpus and the amount of the principal within each of these trusts, you don't have to make a distribution, which is the fundamental difference between a simple living trust and a complex trust. So when you piece this whole jigsaw together, that's the one common thing that all these billionaires have. And it's the thing that goes before the private foundation, and I'm sure you've heard of this 99% giving pledge. That's the part they mm, don't tell yep. anyone that goes before. So they get all of the tax deductions for charitable giving, and then it's into a private foundation that they are the trustees of. So they're still controlling all this money, but the, the key, key element of it all is something called a complex trust. That's, that's the structure of choice for billionaires. Gotcha. So they're, you're, they're utilizing trust from their personal side to their business side to manage their taxes. And you mentioned the whole thing and, and you see it like, you know, Warren Buffett's pledge to give away almost all of his money. And so did Bill Gates. And, yep. and so that's the 99% pledge that you're talking about. Correct. Yeah, that's well, technically they are doing it, but what they're not telling everyone, it's just a tax strategy. They're giving it away on the right hand and they're receiving it on the left hand. That's it. Interesting. So it's not just like, hey, I'm giving all my money away. You know, let me go scrape some more and try to build some more. <laughs> it's definitely not that. It's, it, you know, sometimes they, they want to be seen as the good guys, especially look at Bill Gates and what's been going on with him and Epstein mm. and a divorce and all yep. of this stuff that's coming out. So when they do good, it tries to offset some of the bad publicity that they get as well. Interesting. You see a lot of people talking about moving to other countries or like Puerto Rico. And I think Dubai's kind of been the big one lately. And, and some of those others uh, you talk, to try to offset taxes or not pay as much as in taxes. Is this strategy with the different trusts and things like that a better strategy? I mean, I guess what's the differences? Because I've been seeing a lot of that popping up lately. Yeah, well, everyone's different firstly, right? This is a, not a cookie cutter type approach. Uh, we've had many clients learn about what we do and move back from Puerto Rico to mainland America. So that that tells you all you really need to know. People like Mark Moss and there's many other influential people that used to live in Puerto Rico started to work with us. And then we're like, we don't need to be in Puerto Rico anymore. Like we've made all this money. We've done really well for ourselves. And then we're, we're trapped on this island because you do get island fever very quickly. There's an emotional cost to move in there, family cost to move in there. Sure. You know, it's it's not like being in Beverly Hills or in, 
in Idaho, you know, it's very different to that. Yeah, no, for sure. I guess, how did you get started in all this? How'd you become the expert in billionaire, you know, tax strategies and in the alternate, you know, high worth? Yeah, great question. So firstly, I have three billionaires that personally mentor me. So I'm very fortunate in that regard, but that isn't how it started. It all started with a client success. So back in the days when Together CFO was just a fractional CFO services company, we helped one of our clients go from $5 million a year to $10 million a month in the space of six months. So he had exceptional growth and kind of hit a massive home run. And then he then gives me a call, hits me up. He's like, hey, Casey. And I could hear the anxiety in his voice. I was I was expecting a pat on the back. He's like, oh, well done, good job. We're good. Right. I sat <laughs> in my office. I remember it to this day. I take, I'm taking the call. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? And he's like, I'm going to have a $20 million tax bill. You need to fix it. And I was like, holy bleep. And right. I'm not a tax expert. Like My background is in big corporate companies and managing and and understanding how to push their profitability, right? And he's like, well, you helped create this problem, so you've got to help me find a solution. And after you worked with someone for for a long period of time, and they're like family, I couldn't say no to him. So he kind of pushed me and pressured me. I had many a sleepless night, knots in my stomach, because at that time, I wasn't the tax expert. I didn't really know anything about taxes. I was a CFO. So he put me to work. And then I reached out to the company that I used to work for called FlowServe. It's a big $4 billion global engineering company. And their headquarters is just outside of Dallas. And the treasury department, I, I was working there for eight years. So I built up some good contacts there. And the treasury guys, they knew some family offices out in Dallas, some rich old oil money. And they connected me and kept going out and building relationships, getting small little breadcrumbs, but then doing the work because nobody's just going to give you the secrets, right? So I did the work, I did the research, I read the books, I went to the courses, and I kind of put together the full jigsaw puzzle, but not from where these guys were today, but where they were from inception, because these were Mm. guys that were multi-generations in to these trust structures. And I was like, well, I don't need to be four generations in i need to be at inception what does it look like and it's all written there in the book so if you do the research you could figure this out yourself or you can come give me a call and we'll save you the time energy hassle and money but ultimately we figured out what they were we got the sign off from the guys that that's what they were doing and we we started it ourselves so in that first year we helped that client save 12 million dollars in taxes and then a light bulb went off in my head. It was like, okay, I think more people want tax savings than they do CFO services. And it's a hell of a lot easier to explain tax savings than it right. is CFO services. <laughs> so it's like, ding, ding, ding. All right, we're in the game. And then we kind of pivoted the company to help higher net worth business owners, usually first generation, mm. um, take their tax savings and asset protection to the next level using the same structures that have been around for generations. It's just that nobody has access to them unless you can afford a $5 million family office every year. Right, yeah. And that's really the issue, is we're we're closing that gap between the elites that have these family offices and armies of teams 
two successful multimillionaires that are first generational wealth? No, and that's a good question. I'm you know, glad you brought that up. Was you know, obviously the investment in a you know your own private family office is significant. What you know, somebody that's moving in and they want to start setting up these tax strategies is like, oh man, this sounds great, but is it you know, it's is it going to cost me millions of dollars or you know, I guess what is that typical uh, investment that people would make to start to save money? Well, it's free to be totally honest with you because you're what we find is. 93% of people are overpaying on taxes. And what we do is we show you where you're overpaying and how much you can save. And that more than covers any investment you would make with us. So it's actually costing you money not to work with us. No, it makes sense. It's, you know, I mean, if you can go back and scrape whatever, you know, refunds back and things like that for the last few years, you know, and then it offsets, you know, what your guys' investment and everything is is huge. It's like, why wouldn't somebody want to go work with you? On top of that, our average client gets down to single digit tax rates within two, three years. So if you could go, let's just use five as a middle number. If you could get down to 5% tax rate from likely being at 30, 40%, how much money would that save you every single year? Uh, Well, yeah. I mean, we're in like, I mean, we thought we were doing pretty good and we're like at 21%. (laughs) My, well, you saw the article, right? In ProPublica, yeah. where these billionaires are paying 3% or less. I put that there specifically because it was based on their leaked tax returns. Mm-hmm. And it was done by a third party. It wasn't done by my firm. The ProPublica created that whole article, which was amazing. So it goes to show you that billionaires don't pay any tax. But what they don't tell you anywhere is how they don't pay any tax. Mm, and we show you right. exactly how that is. And more importantly, we set that up for people too. That's awesome. Now, so you have like, um, like I said, Elon and Bezos and all them. And then, you know, I, recently Donald Trump's taxes have come out and he pays pretty much zero. Yeah. <laughs> $750. What a guy. Right. So what is he doing different that maybe some of these other guys are not? So the way he's done his is kind of rolling forward losses and depreciation on real estate because he has mm. so much. But that's only a fraction of what we see. What we don't see are the hundreds of trusts and companies that are not in his name that he controls as a trustee, but doesn't own. And that's really where you get into the Master Jedi stuff of it's all a game of ownership versus control. And the Rockefellers kind of coined this phrase, but it's so true because taxation follows ownership. It does not follow control. So if your mm-hmm. trust controls an asset, or you control the asset that the trust owns, you're good. It's just about how well can you administer the trust? What type of trust is it? What subsets do you need to be using in order to maximize the tax efficiency, the asset protection, and then the wealth transfer as well? So right now, as we're recording this, the the gift tax limit is 11.5 million, right? That's likely going to come back down to 5 million. But it doesn't matter for these elites because they don't own the assets in their own name. It's the trust that owns the jets, the yachts, and everything, the houses and everything in between. And then to change trustee is not a taxable event. Mm. So you could graduate your kids from being beneficiaries into being trustees. And now they control all those assets. And there's no taxable event. It's not a gift. Gotcha. That, no, I, I mean, I think that's super, super cool. I mean, just because one, we've been 
do going through some of this and, you know, for, for what, for our company and stuff and, and everything, and just, you know, looking to see what that, how that's going to map out and play out and everything. What's, uh, so somebody that's listening to this right now, what's maybe like three to five things that you're like, all right, here's what you guys can start doing today. And then here's where you need to be looking at in the future. Yeah. So let me break it down into a few different sections so that we can offer value to everyone. So if you're paying less than $200,000 a year in taxes, go to our free school community. It's schoolskool.com forward slash tax. And you can get the top 50 tax loopholes that you should be using. It's a PDF. We'll send you the link so you can put it down, make it easy for everyone. Send that PDF to your CPA and ask them how many of these loopholes are we using and why are we not using the others? So that's a simple thing that will help you save, hopefully, tens of thousands of dollars. In that same school community, we have a free mini course going over some more loophole stuff. So that's if you're below 200000 If you're paying over $200,000 in taxes, then check out our website. We've got a free tax savings calculator on there. That's togethercf4.com. It's free to use. Go check out how much you're overpaying. And then feel free to set up a call with our team and we'll show you how to stop overpaying that. And they're the, they're the two real value add benefits that I can share with people depending on where they're at. So there should be something for everyone there. Awesome. Say somebody was getting ready to you know plan on selling their business. They're a first generation entrepreneur. What should they start to think of? Because I know, like I said, I have, uh, friends that like, oh, I got, I'm selling my company. I got to move to Puerto Rico two years ahead of time, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. What should they start to look at to do now so they're ready to sell in a year for now? Great question. So we're doing this right now with a client. He's got a, a business, a really good manufacturing company. And not only does he have the business, but he also owns the real estate that the business is in. So it's going to be north of $10 million combined sale. And he started this business from scratch. So we... Uh, projecting to save him in the region of two to two and a half million dollars in taxes, all by changing the ownership structure of everything. So the company isn't owned by him. It would be owned by the trust ahead of the sale. So when the sale happens, the trust will receive those funds. And similar to the way a 1031 exchange works in real estate, you can do the same thing within the trust but the beauty is you don't have any of the limitations that a 1031 has where they have a time frame, a like-for-like asset. It's got to be still in real estate, usually a bigger asset. So all of those restrictions go away with the trust and you can reinvest that money however you wish in whatever asset type, in whatever time frame you like compared to the traditional 1031. And that saves you all the taxes unless you make a distribution. If you distribute wow. those funds to a beneficiary, they are taxable. I'm not trying to tell you this is perfect for everyone. There's no magic right. pill here. You just need to know the pros and cons of it, right? So if you make a distribution, that's taxable. There's no two ways about that. But you don't have to make a distribution. And that goes back to the difference between simple trusts and complex trusts. Mm, interesting. So long as you move the, let's just say, They've owned the company. It's just a LLC or C corp or whatever it might be single. And they own hundred percent and they're planning on selling in the next six months to a year. Then now they would go and they would set this up in a trust ownership yep. Correct. that they would control. 
And then when the sale is made, say it's an asset sale, then they're buying all those assets of the business. No, the trust would sell them. So we'd transfer the membership. So let's just use an LLC because that's a simple one. Let's say sure. that you and I own an LLC, 50-50. What you would do is for your 50%, you would change your membership so you were no longer member or you could be 1% member, but the trust would be 49% member. Mm. And the same for me. So then we have two trusts and two individuals as members of our LLC. Now let's say we sold our company for $10 million. 49% would go to your trust, 49% would go to my trust, and 1% each would come to us as individuals. Mm. Does that make gotcha. sense? Yes. We're distributing it out of the LLC because we've sold it, right? Right. But where does the money flow? It flows into the trust and to us personally. And then the money that goes into the trust, we're not paying any taxes on unless there was a distribution. Or net profit at the end of the year. But yes, generally speaking, you can do investments and you can allocate to corpus and there's several different things that you can do within a complex trust okay. to make it efficient. Insurance is a great one as well. There's there's a whole laundry list of, of ways to be efficient with it. That's awesome. Okay. That's super cool. <laughs> just... I, can, I can see your brain ticking. <laughs> I know. I'm like, all right, let's see. And then from there, then we're just paying our taxes, our capital gains or whatever on the 1% that we received back to the LLC for each each of us. Yeah. Whatever you receive personally, you have to pay taxes on. There's no two ways around that. Right. But if it's only 1%, then usually that's not going to be too much of a problem. You got to feed the beast somewhere, right? It's right. Just, we don't got to give him a little bit. Million, <laughs> we'll give him the scraps. Yeah, for sure. That's really great. And then obviously moving forward, we can use that to invest with. And then any distributions that we take from that would just be our normal tax rates that would go the, to us. Yeah, definitely right. If you make any distributions or if you dissolve the trusts, everything becomes taxable. So they're the two Achilles heel pitfalls of what we do. Don't do that. The way around that is to issue loans. Because if you issue a loan from the trust, it's classed as debt to you. That's not taxable. That's not income to you. Uh, gotcha. But Which... you set the terms of the loan. This is a private loan. You're not going to JP Morgan and asking for a line of credit. This is a private loan that you di dictate and determine the terms and conditions. Gotcha. So then you say, hey, I need a loan for 500000 The trust writes you a check and you know terms are X, Y, and Z spelled out on paper. And maybe you have deferred payments. Whatever that might be. Maybe. Yes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Not saying that directly, but. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And then um, you said uh, for anybody that's under the 200000 in taxes or right around there, go to skool.com. Yeah. Com slash taxes. Forward slash, forward slash tax. Tax. Okay, great. And we'll have that link down here, guys, so you can go check that out. And then as well as check out togethercfo.com, and there's the tax calculator savings. Um, there's some different options when you go to plug into there and, and really be able to figure stuff out for your business, what you have going on. Uh, make sure you guys go back, listen, watch this again, listen to this again. Take those notes when you're not driving and you know listen to what Casey's talking about and how you can start to think about your business in a way to start to set that up for generational wealth, for being able to, if you plan on selling one day, and then even also if you plan on keeping your business and not selling, it makes sense to set that up as within a trust, correct? Yeah. On average, it's the equivalent of 
Working with us is the equivalent of adding 20% increase to your top line revenue. Wow. So we've recalculated the numbers and the average lies between 18 and 20%. That's awesome. Before we wrap up, what's you're like, all right, man, I was hoping Josh was going to ask me this, but we didn't go that direction, but I really want to share this or get this out to the audience before we wrap up today. Well, we touched on a lot of things. We did the tax savings. We did the capital gains. We did generational wealth. One thing that we didn't talk about was asset protection. Ah, yes. So as people grow in wealth, especially high net worth people, people that are making bank, right? Yes, These right. people <laughs> will be buying assets. And as you do that, you get a bigger target on your back. So it's even more important as you grow and scale to protect those assets. And using a complex trust is arguably the best way in the world to do that because it's a bifurcated ownership what that means is the trustee is the fiduciary, but if someone tries to sue the trustee, they can't come after the trust. If someone tries to sue the beneficiary, they can't get the trust assets either. So it ultra protects the assets that are owned by the trust because of this bifurcation. And it's in the private world, unlike an LLC or an S-Corp where you can do a search and it brings back all the assets that you own very easily and clearly. That's not the case in the, in the trust world. It's private versus public. So if you want to reduce the target on your back, reduce the amount of lawsuits you get, then look into complex trusts. And so you're saying then with that, we should you know, have like our house or our vehicles or whatever that may be. Those should be listed in trusts as well. You see all, all the toys in the background. They're all, they're all in trusts. Planes, the yachts, the cars. They, they should all be owned by trusts. And are you... And just kind of a side note question, is each, say, each vehicle or each property, are they each in separate trusts? Or do you say, okay, all my real estate's in one, all my cars are in one? Great question, that. It depends, is the honest answer. So okay. if you, like, I've got a pretty nice car collection. So I have them all in separate asset holding trusts. Hmm. But if it wasn't so significant, I could group two or three together at a time. It just depends. Like if it's real estate, if it's primary real estate versus rental real estate, it's different as well. So okay. it's a case by case basis. But generally speaking, the higher the value, the more of a silo or insulated it should be. Awesome. No, I think that's great. I'm glad you brought that up because I know we talked, touched base briefly in the beginning of the conversation and then went a different direction. And so I was like, ah, yeah, asset protection. That's definitely an opportunity it's and important. something to have for yeah, sure. Definitely. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I think we got tons of awesome content that people are going to be able to execute on and really get their brain thinking and start to figure out where they fit in with this and where their business may fit in with this. And guys, uh, make sure you reach out to Casey, um, his links for Together CFO, as well as the school slash tax are going to be right here below. And where, if they want to follow you or something or connect with you directly, where should they do that at? Yeah, YouTube's probably the best bet. We, we produce weekly videos, educational content. And you can just type in Together CFO in YouTube and it should pop straight up. Awesome. Uh, Casey, thank you for coming on Making Bank today. Such an honor to have you and share some awesome insights today. You're welcome, Josh. Always a pleasure to see you. I am Josh Felbert. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. 
You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, SuccessThinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube. 